0: From a whisper to a roar, our voice has grown in strength and volume. Echoes from our past guide our future as we explore the woman's voice. Welcome, Sophie. Oh,
1: Thank you for having me, Lisa. I'm delighted to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so, so delighted to be talking to you all the way from New York, Brisbane to New York this morning, and thank you for taking the time. So I'm just going to jump right in there and start the conversation around the woman's voice and your interpretation of it today. So I know my voice has saved my life, both physically and internally and spiritually over the years. I was wanting to know, has your voice ever saved your life?
1: Um my voice ever saved my life. Uh, it hasn't saved my life, but it has definitely created my life. So I'm very clear that whatever I say, I get. So at a very young age, I started to value language as sacred, as my tool to create my life on this earth. So I love words. I have a physical experience of words. Each word for me gives access to a world. So that is how I relate to language and my voice.
0: Okay. I love that it creates a physical experience. Mm. Can you go a little bit deeper on what that means for you? Yes, I I, I actually find
1: words extremely sensual most of the time. So, for example, the word divine. Mm -hmm. And I can pronounce the word divine and have an experience of expansion or the word numinous. (laughs) Um, You know, there is uh, words like that that. A delight for me, a a word I use a lot is delicious and Mm -hmm. it gives me literally the beauty and tenderness and pleasure of life. Mm -hmm. So this is how I relate to it
0: from an operatic perspective because I'm, a, I'm an opera singer and I, I really relate to that because we, it's really important that we attach the emotion of the word to mm. what the meaning of it is. And I think that particularly in French, and, and we know that you speak French and you have this absolutely delightful <laughs> accent, uh, do you think that Europe, let's say European people have a deeper relationship with that sound and the meaning behind the word than say english people do
1: well it's it's not so much european it's it depends what culture you come in like for example the english language is very rigorous very specific and and it's very good for producing results. Mm-hmm. The French language is all about stories and tenderness and quality of life. So, one sentence in English, I will need nearly three in French. Right. Yes. Right? And you yes. can see um, we have different culture. I mean, in France, for example, everybody. Nobody works in August, even if they don't make a lot of money, because the quality of life is more important. So mm-hmm. the entire country shuts down. Well, mm. I live in the U.S., that will never happen. They even open during the holidays, mm. right? So, so it, it, the language and um, the just... You know, I don't know what arises first, the culture of the language or the language, but it's probably together. It's like Mm -hmm. when you go to a room and there is no light. It's not that the colors are hiding. It's just the moment you turn on the light, light and the colors arise at once. And I think language, voice and culture do the same. But I totally agree with you, Lisa. I always tell my students, you're always going to get what you say, but also the way you're going to say it. That's right. That's right. Very important.
0: I know here in Australia, I've worked with many Russian speaking, Spanish speaking and coming to Australia. The culture is, is very different to what it is in New York, let alone mm-hmm. anywhere else in the world. And I find that they they struggle and it's a really good point that you make that an english one sentence is french three sentences and they find that the small talk they 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 call it the small talk that very direct language they can't resonate with and they find it very difficult to to have that more direct conversation without feeling everything into that that sentence yes
1: yeah. so, yes yeah, so and that's why if you want to go into business or <laughs> or producing results, you're better off in an English-speaking culture. And if you want to make love and poetry (laughs) and quality of life, just go to France. (laughs) But I want want both. So I live between the US and France. So I have the best of both worlds.
0: That's absolutely right. And I think there's two sides. I I call it two sides to the brain where you've got that creative side, that very passionate side, and then you've got that very logical side. And I think... (laughs) As women today, it's very important to develop both sides of of your personality so that you mm-hmm. can dance and have both worlds, but it's not easy, is it? Uh, It's not, but
1: it's an art. I consider it as an art and I consider it very spiritual and profound. It brings the feminine and the masculine together. Um, And I'm not talking about gender and I'm not talking about female Mm -hmm. or male. I'm literally talking about the feminine and the masculine and the feminine is rounded and full and and all about love and everything. Even if there is a storm, it's against the background of love. And the masculine is more conscious and you know directive and protective so i yeah. i think a complete human being we all yearn to be it is this dance between the feminine and the masculine that is absolutely expressed in language
0: absolutely that's a fantastic analogy thank you has has your voice ever put you in danger um
1: so Not in physical danger. Oh, no, no. In physical, yes, yes. No, it was not my voice. It was my lack of voice. Uh Aha. It was the absence of being able to speak that I was 16 years old and I got raped and I was incapable of saying no. And I had, it took me years to be able to relieve that scene and say no, and I recaptured my power of of, um, protecting myself. So it's more the absence of uh, the shock of it, I think, just um, had me not speak.
0: Mm -hmm. Was that a clearing for you, something like clearing the throat chakra? What was your healing, if you don't mind sharing? How did you move beyond that?
1: Well, I... um, I have never wanted to be victimized in life and I needed to find a place where I could be the originator of what happened to me, not like cause and effect, right? I did not uh, ask to be raped, but I, I, so whatever circumstances of life you encounter, you never have to be a victimized, a sufferer. So I looked and, and, and <laughs> And I brought awareness to what happened. And I saw that, as I said, totally silent, but not a squeak could pass my uh, mask. Maybe the guy didn't even know, you know, I mean, he, mm. knew, he knew because I screamed and he told me to shut up. But mm. I did not. I could be I could be the originator. This is a choice I made. I said, no, you know what? Maybe it would have gone another way if I had shouted or Mm. or screamed or did something. So it doesn't justify what he did or explain what he did or condone what he did, but I was able to let it go, saying never again. I'm now learning my voice. I am going to use whenever it's needed.
0: Absolutely. There's, There's so much so much in that, that we could, you know, go down the rabbit hole with. I think one of the things that's really, um, spiking for me is, do you think that you, the fact that you couldn't speak, you physically couldn't speak. And I understand that. Where did that come from? Because I I know that there's, you know, culture here where, children should children should be seen and not heard you don't say things to upset other people you don't want to uh, make people feel bad do you have any idea of where that may have come from from a psychological perspective or was it purely a
1: physiological well, I, I, yeah I it's funny, you know um, a view. I I do not know the truth of it. But if you look at how we react to a danger, right, I was 16 years old, I was very innocent. And suddenly I'm faced with a predator. And I had no idea, you know, I was brought up in Casablanca, Morocco, where girls are very protected. I had no idea that a man could be a predator. My father was my hero, right? Mm. So I am now faced with a danger, and, you know, there are three automatic reactions to a danger, right? You attack, you run away, or you freeze. Yeah. And I think I froze. Yeah. I think the shock was such that I went to, I froze. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing I can, can,
0: you know, make up. Well, thank you so much for sharing because there's a lot of people out there that um, will have had similar circumstances. What was the driving force that reconnected you to the voice that has led you here today?
1: When I was 33 years old, I had an extraordinary experience of um, liberation, you know, one of those enlightened experiences where suddenly the entire illusion of life became clear for me, and I connected to authentic power, and I needed to... It was really a need, like a, an impulse way beyond what I wanted. I wanted to give it away to other people. So I needed to be able to lead seminars and speak publicly. <laughs> the only time I spoke publicly before that, I passed out. It was at my birthday. Oh my I goodness! to thank my friend and I nearly half fainted. So I... I um. I had to just look, I had to say, okay, I want to have a voice and I want to speak to a lot of people and I want to be heard. And not only do I want a voice, but I want to be clear and I want my voice to transmit something. Mm -hmm. So I trained myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you did it yourself. You didn't go and get any professional help. Oh no, no, no. I had many masters. Oh, not a voice professional. No. What I look at, is not so much the voice, I looked at what had me be scared. Right? Ritz. So I look at, at the, the, what is underneath the fact that my voice was um, restricted.
0: Yes. Okay. Fantastic. And how long did that take you before you, you went from the idea, the desire to actually getting up on that stage? Um, I think that. One or two years until I had a
1: breakthrough. And um, it was a very uh, simple breakthrough, like many of those moments of truth in life, where my trainer said to me, um, you know, it would be much easier if you were not frightened. And first I wanted to strangle him saying, well, that's really Is that <laughs> all you can say to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and then I I just got it I just good god I even have a choice about being frightened or not mm-hmm. so all in all it took me four years before I was by myself in front of 300 people yes and by then I was so at ease in fact I absolutely adore leading because I as a character disappear yes. and and i connect to something uh, so much bigger than me and it's a delicious feeling where i'm i am um not constrained by my character anymore i'm free
0: fantastic and i do think that you're exactly right that it does take around 18 months to 2 years before i really start to see the shift and and it's on so many levels that you're working, you know, whether you're mm. working with w- identifying what you're fearful about, but then working mm-hmm. on stage presence and working on all the different layers that need to get up on, st- get up on and be confident on stage, takes around that two years. So uh, mm. I'm, mm. I'm glad that you confirmed that that's about yes. the timeframe. Yes,
1: I even had someone, I um, knew a new film director in Los Angeles that trained me to, um, to tell funny stories. Yes, yeah, yes. It was really fun. I, I did. I discovered a part of life I didn't know. You know that um, there is an art about public speaking. There is.
0: Oh, absolutely, and I think that telling stories and injecting a part of yourself into that story and making it funny, making it light, is very mm. important. I've spent many, many, many hours in the presence of the, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and one of the greatest things that I've took that I've taken away from him is the humility. Is that mm. he has this beautiful ability to not take himself so seriously mm. and mm. laugh and tell stories. He deep dives in to uh, the, the spiritual realm and all of the bells and whistles that goes with that. But generally, you know, he's on that stage and he's joking with his monks and he's, oh, yeah. and he's, he's, and he's playing with himself. Absolutely. Yeah. That's how we make that deeper connection with human mm. beings. So thank you. How do you feel your life experiences and choices have affected the tone of your voice? Oh,
1: enormously enormously I speak much more um softly and slowly mm-hmm. as I expand as a human being and get deeper my voice seems to take a a, a movement of water does it make sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it it is um much more fluid yeah
0: yes could you say that it's more of because we're older and wiser and we, you know, I think it's like having a beautiful wine or having a beautiful dessert. We like to spend that time and devour it and get it right. And we're also not in a hurry. Would you agree with that?
1: I think for me, yes, I do. But for me, it is my access to make a difference in the life of people. Mm. It is, you know, and I have to be responsible for my accent. Sometimes I. I get away with murder with my accent because people find it cute, but sometimes my words do not get understood. So I, I, but it is the the only way I can impact another human being's life. So for me, it's sacred. This is. uh,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever been afraid to speak your truth?
1: Uh, not for quite a while. Uh, as a young girl, as a teenager, even as a young woman, it was, um, you know, much more difficult. Uh, but for the last 25 years, no. No. Okay. No, I, I got freed up.
0: And but so teenage I, years are difficult. <laughs> very, very difficult. And learning to fly a helicopter and, you know, mm-hmm. delving into a man's world, that yes. mustn't have been easy either.
1: Well, that, that was a, a time in my life where I was in total despair. My, I lost my husband. I was 28. And um, he died in a very tragic circumstances. and And I needed to... I needed to go back to life. I needed to do something to feel alive. Mm-hmm. So that was my uh foreign helicopter piloting. Um uh, and the the man took me on. I I, I must have looked like <laughs> I mean, I think I was like a skeleton, I was so thin and I must have despair in my eyes, but those <laughs> I learned to fly helicopter with ex Navy pilot in Oxford, England, and they took me under their wings and um, uh, I will be forever grateful. Uh, But there is some funny story for sure about uh, (laughs) uh, being the only woman with a French accent. So whenever I, I flew, everybody knew it was me. And Oh, I got teased a lot, but always love and tenderness.
0: It's interesting what you said earlier that you'd been through a, you know, the loss of your husband and you needed to feel alive. Mm. Putting yourself into a situation where it's, you know, you're in danger if you're not present. Mm -hmm. That's certainly something that I can resonate with because having come out of my second bout of cancer, I was craving that as well. And I was looking, you know, I need to be made accountable. I Mm -hmm. need to be practicing. So I went to horses. I surrounded myself. I got four beautiful horses and made sure that I was practicing every single day to be mm. present or else I was, I was in danger and mm. I would get hurt if I wasn't mm. in that moment. So it's mm. interesting to hear you say that. And I think that there's, that there's something in that for people who are going through uh, tragic circumstances is to find something that resonates with them so that they can be present in that moment,
1: yes. yes, exactly. Because you know, life loses its attraction, right? There, I had like everything was gray, no colors, no sound. I could not even listen to music. Mm. Um, you know, that space. So, it's mm-hmm. exactly what you say, Lisa. It is all right, the danger will have me be present for a while. And then that's when you feel alive.
0: That's yeah. right. And then it starts to permeate and we start to relax and we start to breathe mm-hmm. again. So I do mm-hmm. think that there's, that, you know, th- there's a book in that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's a question that I ask everyone. And the answer mm-hmm. generally is, um, uh, is always the same. But I think in your case, it's going to be different. Do you like the sound of your voice?
1: Uh, I, don't, I don't hear very well Like, you know, I think as a opera singer You have an ear, you can hear something So, I mean, I do hear normally But I don't hear the tune or the, the level of my voice But when I listen to my voice It's more than my voice I hear a world and that I like
0: Oh, that was beautiful I hear a world mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone express it like that. If you don't hear it very well, then is it safe to say that you feel the voice more well, than? I mean, you... I do hear. I don't have any hearing uh, yeah.
1: problem. I, I just don't. You know, I will not recognize, for example, an accent. You know, from the south or the north. You know, like I don't have the the finely tuned recognition. Yeah, um, absolutely. I can't, I can't sing, for example. I I, I think I sound like a I can't even sing two sentences you know two, two things so but um but yes this world is is at every single level that I hear it's um it's the whole universe <laughs> I love that and that's how I listen to people as well
0: Yes, well, that leads us into the next question quite beautifully. So if you had to describe these voices as a Mm colour, what would it be? So if I said Oprah Winfrey, what colour would you say Oprah's voice is?
1: I would say um, green.
0: Green? Green, yes. Light green green or dark green? Like grass green. Uh Uh-huh, beautiful. What about Donald Trump?
1: Uh, I would say
0: dirty brown, dirty brown. And what about Lady Diana? Turquoise blue. Yes, yes. Now, in comparison, what color would you say your voice is? Uh, maybe um, silvery, mm-hmm.
1: silvery light, or something like that. Uh, just mm-hmm. not not too much colors Mm
0: -hmm. is that the color that you would like it to be or would you like it to have something else in it
1: uh i am i am uh Happy with the world of uh, the silvery yes. light. Yes, yes, I am happy with that. Yes, I, I must tell you I've never thought of it as a colour for a voice. So it's really <laughs> fascinating. I have no idea why I don't see colour for my voice.
0: Well, maybe it so. will open something for you. It's okay. it's a way that I work and help identify And it's really that sensory thing of Mm -hmm. feeling, you know, because it's a a vibration and we get a sympathetic vibration. It's putting a language to to how is that making me feel internally? Mm -hmm. So, and it helps also in creating tones when people Mm -hmm. are trying to develop their tones and, you know, not have quite such a squash sound like we do here in Australia, but opening that tone and having uh, textures and colors. Visually helps the voice because the voice will go wherever we want it to go. We just have to give it direction. Mm-hmm. So you talk about shifting people from homo sapien to homo spiritus, which I love. Mm-hmm. What does a homo spiritus voice sound like in comparison to a homo sapien? So homo sapiens is
1: the flat flat voice it is the material the horizon horizontal plane it is a voice that identify with something outside of ourselves and trying to make things happen that do not matter that much mm-hmm. and um, homo spiritus um, this is the um, the light of the universe it's it's a world i'm talking about it's, it's um, light and um, um, rounded and and it resonates.
0: It resonates and it's moving. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing I can see. It's mm-hmm. moving constantly. So the breath is always moving. If it's stagnant, as you said, that very monotone drawl that comes through in your homo sapien, mm-hmm. then that's only one level. It hasn't got those multi, multi-dimensions, has it, or that,
1: no, sense no of and opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you're very right. There is a breath of the the
0: whole voice goes with the breath, right? It's um, yes. all movements. Yes. Yes. Without breath, we don't have any sound. Mm-hmm. Many people suffer from the imposter syndrome. Have you suffered from this? And do you have a theory as to why this is so prevalent in today's society?
1: So by imposter syndrome, you mean they give a false image of
0: themselves? So that voice in the head that is right. always there, that white noise, like you can't do that, you're not worthy. Well, you right. Yes, yes,
1: yes. It's it's uh, actually, this is uh, the, my and work is based yes. on that, is that, um, Part of the game of being alive, once we incarnate, very soon after our incarnation, we forget who we really are. Yes. Literally, the, the, this is this part of the game. You uh, you incarnate and then, and then you forget that you are divine, that you are your soul that is having a human experience. Yes. And that forgetfulness is it's. So terrible for human being. It is such the most profound pain and suffering, mm-hmm. and 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 then the doubts and this agony of, well, who am I and why am I saying that and I'm not perfect and I'm not divine mm-hmm. is going on and on nonstop until you wake it. You awaken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is the homo sapiens. A homo sapiens is a reign of the ego where you identify with an illusion and not with yourself. And, um, it has really served us very well. We, we are, there is less poverty now. Women have a more of a voice. Uh, people of color is starting to just have a voice and, Uh, technology, medicine, but it's coming to an end. And we're going through a shift that has been predicted for years. The man that spoke of homo spiritus is called uh, David Hawkins. And um, that was 20 years ago. Yes. And I welcome that birth. But as you experienced it, it's in chaos, like all births. And
0: painful. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's icky and sticky and it's difficult to transition through. Sophie, just changing direction a little bit now, coming back to you, one of the messages that I have for women out there and their voice, the woman's voice, is that they must take great care of themselves physically. Okay, so what they eat, how much sleep they get, etc. What is something that you can share about your life that you do in your day-to-day world to make sure that you maintain that physical peak performance?
1: So that is not my strongest point, but um, I have a few habits. So one is water. So if I'm not on the sea, I will take bath. And okay. I have a ritual and water brings me peace and um, a kind of meditative and restorative state. So water with oil and candles. And this is my bath time is uh, very mm. precious for me. And the second thing I do, which is um, a need for me to be in nature. So I walk every single day. Yes. And um. And uh, that is how I um, I get sourced.
0: Excellent. Do you feel women are apologizing for being in conversation still today? I don't have that
1: experience, but I know some women have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I always see um, the world as uh, totally balanced. We always reap what we sow. I never see any victim and, and even if women have been at the effect of having too much masculine in the world, because most women have more feminine, I still think that we, we as women with a lot of feminine were responsible to let it happen, this mm. imbalance. Right. Mm. Um, so I think um With the awakening taking place and the opportunity to elevate one's um, level of awareness, the balance between the masculine and the feminine will arise.
0: Beautiful. Where do you believe your communication, inspiration and leadership style comes from? No, I don't know. I, I I, had a lot of...
1: I have. I, it must come from a place of the mystery of the divine because mm. like all of us, right? I, I literally, whatever, however full my life has been and, you know, I've had a very full life, I've had gifts of awakening messages, mystical experience that happened to me. So I'm in gratefulness and in total mystery. All I know is that if I try to resist that impulse to awaken people, I get miserable. So I don't resist it and I go with it. (laughs) I'm, I'm a simple kind of girl.
0: That's perfect. You go with the flow. And Mm -hmm. that's really what I wanted to hear from you today is that it is something magical. It does. As long as you're tapped into that divine source Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. your truth, then that's where all of the the genius and the inspiration comes Mm -hmm. from. As soon as you disconnect from that is the suffering.
1: Absolutely. I call it alignment, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So when I'm, align truly life is grace and and the divine the experience of being alive is and the moment i'm not in that mysterious alignment i can have body aches um psychological states you know yes so i make sure i'm aligned
0: stay stay in that space it's it's a much a much easier space to be in Mm -hmm. What advice, what is the one piece of advice you would give to help listeners reconnect to their future voices?
1: Um, I would not speak about future voices. I would say don't look outside of yourself. Just find the voice that is hidden. Mm -hmm. That must be what you are speaking about. But there is a... When you let go of all the barriers and all the opinions, the judgments, the evaluation, the fears, the emotions, you will remember who you really are and who you really are. That voice is exquisite.
0: Beautiful. I could talk to you all day listening to your beautiful analogies. I love it. <laughs> How do you think people feel when you leave the room? Um
1: Uh, it depends Uh, my family my family and friends tell me I'm exhausting because (laughs) I'm always going for this alignment but they say that with love right but sometimes it can be relieved Mm -hmm. and um, but mostly I think people um, when I leave a room will be a bit um i would have uh, make the, the air, um, i would have created a movement you know like okay. a, a unforeseen unexpected so maybe not dislocated not to that point but oh i never thought about that Shift. you know something like that yes yes so, a little so shaken a little a good shaken like a martini being shaken
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> yes. They've been told some truths, even if they weren't ready to hear it. They've been told truths and yeah. they feel safe within that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's
1: something always seems to happen that there is something, and it's not so much me telling a truth. It's something always seems to arise mm-hmm. when I'm with people. And it really is not personal. It's not me, it's like as a character. So it's in the relationship. Um, I think I have such a high level of authenticity that people are called to match that level of authenticity and then
0: magic happens. Beautiful, beautiful. So, Sophie, what's next for you to reach your voice's fullest potential?
1: Oh, I have such an exciting project, Lisa. I have, you know, we since the pandemic, I I, I experienced it as a shift we were talking about, right? And I, you know, like many of us, how can I make a difference? How can I make more of a difference, right? How can I bring people in the past to awareness? And it's happening. I have created this course. It's a 21, free. Totally free. I am so happy about free. it. Free, that's amazing. No demand whatsoever. Free 21 email course with videos, um, chapters of my book, lessons, pictures. Um, and I'm rolling that out in two weeks. I am so excited. And I, I have a dream that it goes viral and that everybody can understand what it is. To, to be aware
0: and, and uh, that life is great. What oh, so. beautiful timing, Sophie. I'm so pleased that we've had this conversation just before that launch. How can our listeners get a copy or, or download and, and register for this?
1: Can I send you the link of the landing page? Absolutely. And then we, can we can put, put it in, in with the in. content. Yeah, And then I will put it on my website, and my website is very easy to find. It's my name, sophiemcclain.com. Perfect,
0: perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sophie. It's been an absolute pleasure and journey to talk to you today. Uh, I've taken away some beautiful golden nuggets, and I'm sure our listeners are feeling light and breezy and are ready to jump on and download your 21 day program that looks just amazing.
1: Lisa, there are sometimes you meet some people that you relate to, you recognize, and you are one of those persons for me. I've had the most delightful time speaking to you, and I really, really hope we will meet one day. I um, think you're an extraordinary person.
0: Thanks for joining me today to strengthen your voice. You want to be heard, and you deserve to be heard. We're here to make sure that the woman's voice is heard. I'm Lisa Lachlan-Bell, and together we are The Woman's Voice. Thanks to our official sponsor, The Voice Draw. For more information on your voice, go to thewomansvoice.com.au.